Hello, White Sox fans. How you guys doing? Happy uh, draft week. Uh, happy All-Star weekend. Um, and happy first place, uh, best record in the AL for the White Sox. My name is Ian Eskridge. I'm here with my co-host, Danny Miller. How you doing, Danny? Check, check. One, two. Hey, look at that. How do you like that? All right, so let me do this then. All right, so now we should be back to normal levels. Go ahead and talk. Uh, well, oh, I was that. just saying that uh, it was a little bit loud now. Are we are we broadcasting uh, vibrating, booming voices here now? Nah, it should be good. Um, okay. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> after that, which great, great fun. Um, so we have uh, the uh, last weekend we had the sweep of the Baltimore Orioles. And so, uh, you know, obviously that Sunday game was a little bit of a, a harrowing experience. And uh, I don't know how you guys all felt, but uh, when Jose Ruiz came into the game, um, I was not feeling uh, entirely confident that that was going to uh, be a pleasant uh, experience and that we were going to make it through. But um looked like, uh, you know, Looked like he had at least a halfway decent outing. I don't know, wasn't great, but uh, but he made it through. Uh, yeah, there was a you know Liam didn't do so hot that day either, and uh, gave up that home run. And uh, yeah, uh, so uh, let's go to uh, very good news. Um, <laughs> we got uh, we got Eloy doing his. Uh, he got just moved to Triple uh, A today. Got reassigned to Triple A on his uh, rehab assignment. So um, we have uh, we have Eloy on his way back. Um, I don't know if you guys saw our tweet or uh, saw it somewhere else on the web, but uh, Eloy in his first game uh, decided to hit a line drive uh, home run against uh, poor unsuspecting uh, Advanced A. Um, yeah, I'm not retiring this hat, Kendall. This, this hat, this hat right here is fire, and I can't help it. It's, it's not my fault that Manfred's an idiot and made the, uh, the rookie league go, the pioneer league go away. I gotta say I'm not happy about it, but this hat's not going anywhere, because this hat is awesome. Uh, yeah, so we got Eloy hitting bombs in, uh, advanced A, um, second game, I think he went, uh, I think they gave a third baseman an error on one of his at-bats, but, uh, he was on base three times, I think, uh, yesterday. He was. He was yeah. indeed. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it was good. Um, happy to see him out there, uh, and I, I, you know, for the people who did not see the game, um, Eloy was in left field. And uh, more of the same for Eloy. Uh, basically, basically the exact same thing. Um, less than stellar outfield uh, defensive play. <laughs> um, you know, not much. I mean, like he he got a ball hit to him and he bobbled it. You know. You know, I gotta say, I was uh, I was one of those folks who you know at the end of last season and. Even before, you know, when folks were uh, 
calling for Eloy to be a DH already. Just make him a DH already. I was that guy that was saying, nah, it's too soon. But, uh, you know, I have reached a level now where you need his bat in the lineup and his antics outfield can go somewhere else. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys on this team that could fill a DH role, but I don't think anybody fills their role quite like Eloy would. That's I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. Um, yeah, he, uh, the guy can hit. I mean, he showed that right out of the gate when he came and showed up in Winston-Salem and immediately hit a 112-mile-an-hour liner at the uh, poor left fielder, you know, who had to kind of duck out of the way. Well, it's, what, what, am I, what am I looking at here? That's the pick that. The pick that what? <laughs> he, I, he is asking for my professional bartending picture. This is actually just a oh, picture. Oh, gotcha. Uh, my wife and I attended a very good friend of ours wedding this uh, past weekend. So uh, shout out to uh, my boy Joey and his new wife, Dina. Uh, my wife snapped that picture as I was staring out onto the veranda of where we were at. And uh, it's it uh, it garnered some attention in for more reasons than one, and I'll leave it at that. If you're uh, if you're a follower of mine on Facebook, not some of the yeah, some of them are not uh, family friendly. Some of them are, and you know, I'll just leave it alone. Uh yeah, I'm not I'm not touching it. I'll leave it alone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I don't know. Uh, let's see. Um, we get Adam Eaton DFA'd. Uh, what say you? Uh, imagine that. Uh, are you, are I, I you upset? Not at all. Not at all whatsoever. <laughs> uh, and you know, I, I, I'm, I could try to, you know, sugarcoat it a little bit, but the reality is, is you know, you and I talked about this early on, and if we got a healthy Adam Eaton, maybe he could do something. Unfortunately, he was banged up all season long, and we got the guy that we thought we might get. Uh, unfortunately, for uh him being the the premier position player free agent of the uh, 2020 offseason. Chicago White Sox. Ugh. And, uh, you know, it, it is what it is, man. Uh, had he been healthy, you never know. It could have been could have been a match made in heaven, but unfortunately didn't look. Huh. What do you think? Um, I don't know what just happened there. I just lost audio for the last five seconds. So what did you say? I was just saying that it could have been a match made in heaven for uh, Sox fans had he stayed healthy. Yeah. And yeah, uh, I'm ready to move on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to say his, uh, his OPS in the last, like, I mean, granted, you know, we, we, we know he wasn't healthy. Um, but I want to say his OPS was probably somewhere in the 400s or something through, you know, like high 300s over the last month. I mean, granted his last at bat, he did end up, uh, I think he drove in or drove in a run in his final at bat with the White Sox. And hopefully that vaults him to, uh, being signed by the Pirates or somebody else, somebody, I, I don't know, somebody that's not the White Sox. Um, so yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we, 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 we've been saying it since the beginning. We, you know, like we were, 
not thrilled with the signing in the first place. And, uh, you know, I wasn't completely unhappy with the signing. Uh, I just, you know, you saw something like this coming and it's unfortunate. And, and, and that's, you know, that's really all I have on it. It, you know, he was, uh, they hung their, their hopes one hat. And uh, like Kendall said, you know, uh, Adam Engel has been touted as a fourth outfielder. God knows how long. Has uh, progressed year after year after year. And uh, it seems like uh, he is now looking. He looks like a starting right fielder uh, at the moment, at least. And, uh, you know, I'm okay with that. Yeah, you know, I so kind of, I mean, like, this this whole season has been just a ridiculous exercise in next man up philosophy of you know the next guy that comes up is going to be the one that you know does you know whatever needs to be done and and is productive and i mean whether it be hamilton whether it be goodwin whether it be uh sheets um i mean it's like every guy that has come up has at least, you know, obviously Vaughn, right off, right out of that gate, you know, you had Vaughn who came and played left field and is, uh, you know, it's been like a learning on the job thing as far as playing the outfield. And add on top of that, you know, like his plus plus skill is his hitting and he's got to learn how to hit against major league hitting while, while learning a new position. Exactly. <laughs> it's just, you know, like, the I mean it's absolutely amazing that the White Sox are where they are right now, given where the roster has been this entire season. I mean it's just mind blowing that I mean, granted we we all knew at the beginning of the year, although we expected the Twins to be better than they are now, but we knew that you know the division wasn't the greatest. But I mean even still, I mean none of these other teams are dealing with the ridiculous amount of injuries that the White Sox have as far as their position players go. I mean, Cleveland's obviously lost a bunch of pitching lately, but I mean, the Twins for the most part other than Buxton have been remarkably healthy and yet they're still terrible. So, yeah, I agree. And what was it? 7 and a half or 8 games that the Sox are up in the division now. I wasn't sure. I know I know Cleveland uh Cleveland missed the last game of their their series, I believe, before uh, before the break. So, did that did that make it eight even? Yeah, I think it's eight. Uh, is it seven and a half? Seven and a half, eight, whatever. Uh, it is whatever it is. Uh, to be sitting with that kind of cushion at this point in the season, with the amount, of- even not just you know injuries of stars, but the secondary injuries. Well, uh, I think it speaks to the resilience of. Uh, a ball club that's been through a lot. Go ahead and raise your volume out there because you keep on dropping out a little bit towards the end. Um, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, the, the whole... what's that? I'm gonna make an adjustment to my mic here and see if that helps a little bit. Already, but uh, yeah, you know we're you know white Sox daily live on twitch we're uh we're gonna work through the kinks because you know it seems that uh after months of doing this we are going to have kinks no matter what no. yeah well hopefully you know at some point here i can get this pc sorted out and then it shouldn't be a problem at all but uh 
you know, for right now, uh, this will have to do because I have uh, gasoline and matches if you need that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. You, to, you know what? I'd rather, I'd rather part it out and sell it for parts than burn it at this point because it costs enough money that, you know, I don't know. At least if I parted it out and sold it, I could at least buy something that's 100% functional, I would hope, anyway. Oh, well, we're, we'll get there. We'll get there. Working on I am. Yeah. 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 So, you know, you mentioned a name uh, in that, uh, you know, in your little, uh, I don't know, rundown of the uh, next man up list there. And, uh, I, you know, let's give a shout out to uh, some of those guys that have done it. You know, we, we talked about Adam Angle a little bit already, but Brian Goodwin. This guy has been a, a career backup, and you know maybe not. He's had some some places where he started a little bit here and there, and you, you knew he could hit a little bit. But uh, you want to talk about a guy who's really stepped up, especially in some key situations. He's been pretty clutch, uh, you know. So I just want to give the guy a pat on the back. You know, older guy who's been around a little bit, got that veteran presence, and but he's he's steely, steely uh, in some of those clutch situations. So shout out to uh, Brad Goodwin. Today here on the White Sox Daily Live. Yeah, no, I'm I'm very you know, I, I was personally I was absolutely shocked that we could even get him in the first place. You know? I mean the guy I mean, let's not act like he's uh you know, he's not his former teammate Mike Trout or anything, or his no. other former teammate Bryce Harper, but you know, like he's always been like a, a fairly solid outfielder you know like his splits are really even always right around 250 ish when he's hitting with some pop and he's come here and he's done exactly that which is a novel concept for the White Sox because that is something that we are absolutely not used to which is somebody coming here and outperforming or at least performing up to what they have done before they got here I mean it's, yeah we're talking to you yonder Alonzo oh man <laughs> Yeah, I, I saw him. He was on um, – I'm trying to think of what he was on. I saw him uh, – it wasn't the home – oh, it was the uh, the Futures game. He was he was on the Futures game uh, panel at the beginning. You know, like he was uh, announcing for it. And I was just like, oh, man, can this guy just go away? It's like MLB Network's trying to make him a thing. And, like, I thought he was all right for, like, the first, like, 10 minutes. But then after that, I was I was ready for him to go. So – yeah, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like how many of these guys have we signed where we bring in somebody, I mean, a la Adam Eaton, a la Alander, uh, Yonder Alonzo, Alander Yonzo. La, la, la. I'm just going to start calling him <laughs> Alander Yonzo from now on because uh, uh, that's what he deserves. Uh, he doesn't okay. deserve uh, much respect from uh, from any of the White Sox fans. No, you know, you, you got the you got the LaRoches and the Duns and all of those guys that you know you're hoping for something. You know, it's it's funny how it always seems that or at least more often than not comes in the form of a DH. But uh, you know, we've had a few of those guys, position players that don't exactly work out the way you want them to either. Uh, you know. Uh like you said, just to you know, piggyback on what you were saying there, it's nice to see a couple of guys come in and perform or outperform up to what uh, was expected of them or what they had done in the past. 
you know, and it's not just Brian Goodwin. I mean, you know, Billy Hamilton has done some things that we did not expect him to do. We knew he was fast. Ah, yes. We we knew he could throw the ball a little bit. Uh, but you know, we didn't expect him to hit. And he's done some of that this year. So <clears throat> you know, we have a few guys that have, have stepped up. We got some young guys doing some things that uh, you know, we talk about sheets. Ben Sheets yeah. or uh, Ben Sheets, uh, Gavin Sheets. Yeah, ben sorry, Sheets. Ben Sheets. That's a blast from the past. <laughs> Gavin Sheets. Uh, you know, I, we I, I wrote I did a write up on uh, some of those young guys early in the season, and we talked about how Gavin Sheets uh, spent some time with his dad Larry, learning how to play outfield a little bit, and uh, you know, but he's come up and he swung the bat really well for us, and it's just nice to see some of these guys step up and do their thing. But there's the other flip side of that. We've been talking about for weeks and is how long can the Sox depend on those secondary and even third tier and fourth tier guys that are coming up replacement players? How long can they can they expect these guys to continue doing what they're doing and, and toe the line for some of these injured players that are, uh, you know, going to be gone for a while? But, uh, you know. Maybe uh, here's to hoping that uh, that won't have to be a worry for much longer. I'm sure yeah. we have some uh, some to talk about there with some of the guys returning. Yeah, that's a, that's a, one of the things I wanted to get to um, tonight was the uh, the roster management, um, and I guess uh, we'll dip into that in a little while. Um, uh, what's up, Xavier? How you doing? Um, yeah, it's. Uh, the the draft the uh I, I would really like to uh to get into the draft Bam. and see what uh see what the thoughts thoughts are here in the chat um Colson Montgomery uh as we as saw in the the montage in the uh in the beginning before uh before the stream started um Colson Montgomery picked up in the uh first round of the MLB draft and we also somehow, and I'm not exactly sure how this how this uh, came to be, but we actually managed to get West Cath uh, in the second round as well, which is blows my mind that he was that he was still that both of them were still there when we went to pick. I'm pretty shocked, actually. Um, yeah, uh, you got any uh, any thoughts on this draft so far? I'm pretty. I gotta say, I'm pretty happy with it. Um, altogether yeah i i am too um and you know Colson montgomery uh, a guy who i'd seen as high as 10 in some of the mocks you know and to get him down to 22 uh pretty awesome stuff uh you know there's been a lot of talk about him uh being committed to what was it indiana i believe i am uh, uh he's committed somewhere yeah, anyways 19 indiana. years old and uh you know some folks are worried that he's not going to sign. And I just want to address that really quickly because it's been a big thing. Uh, at least one uh, Facebook group, uh, White Sox Premium, I've seen it a handful of times. Or, you know, he's 19 years old and he's committed to college and he can re-enter the draft in 2023 if he decides to take his commitment to Indiana. And I got to be honest with you, the 20 second slot holds a – uh, draft value of $3.03 million at 19 years old to be drafted in the first round at all is pretty outstanding stuff. 
and you're going to be given at least $3.03 million, right? At the very least. And, you know, you might even sign over slot. Who knows? But you're going to get at least $3.03 million. Um, who's to say this kid doesn't go out and get hurt playing for the University of Indiana? There is no guarantee that he can move higher up into the draft, you know, say in two years from now or a year and a half, whatever, yeah, two years from now, where he's in 2023, and he spends a year or two injured in college, <clears throat> it's not going to move him higher up into the first round. Yeah, so, where, where I, do you think... go from 22nd in the first round? I mean, at that point, you're not going, like, unless you, you know, end up moving into the top 20, like, and even then, like, you know, the, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to make, a, like, an extra million dollars? three years later right you know like what's a what's i don't i don't see what the point is of of putting it off you know that long doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me you 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 come to the white Sox organization you play you get hurt while you're playing for the Sox. at least you've got a a professional team's doctors and and facilities to help you recover from your injuries not to say that these colleges don't have you know similar uh medical staffs and backgrounds but uh, you know, I can't believe that you would pass up that kind of money and take a chance on yourself when you've already been drafted in the first round once just to climb up a handful of spots. Uh, I don't think that's uh, – that wouldn't be smart on his point. But, uh, yeah, so just getting back to him, I think it's a great pick. Uh, there's the other talk, you know, the other thing of, well, Tim Anderson's going to stay here forever and, you know, he's gonna, he's going to block this guy. And let's not forget, he's 19. Yeah, uh, he's he's got a few years of development and uh, there's no guarantee that the 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 roster of the White Sox is going to be the same when this kid's ready to come up and play. So, you know, there's that as well, too. I, I've seen some ridiculous arguments uh, and I don't understand why people are unhappy about the pick whatsoever. I think it's a pretty much it's about as good as the White Sox could have done in the 22 hole, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I mean, I have to agree. I mean, I don't see. Uh, I don't see a whole lot of downside here. I mean, there were a couple of guys that, uh, you know, that that were still available that um, we've heard talked, you know, like uh, associated with the White Sox at least a little bit um, that were still on the board. But I mean, it was, I, I, you know, like we've had this, 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 uh, this thing, you know, where that's, th- this is the way the White Sox have drafted for. I don't know, like uh, let's say uh, since at least 2016 is that they had a guy that they were going after, and that was the guy that they took. And it's it's pretty much been that way. I mean, Zach Collins, that's who they wanted. You know, uh, Madrigal is who they wanted. Uh, Vaughn, Vaughn, who they wanted. I mean, it's it's just it's been that way. Like uh, Berger, who they wanted. You know, it's like – they right. they've had their guy that they wanted and it's just happened to work out that you know that that guy wasn't gone when they when they got their first pick and you know Absolutely. i mean you got you, you can't knock that strategy that they've got going because we've got uh Madrigal was there this year uh Vaughn there this year Berger is here Collins is here. I mean, it's. I think they something like uh, 
Eight well, of the last nine first rounders have played with the White Sox at some point this season. Yeah. Yeah, I knew it was something insane. I mean, it's like we are uh I, I want to say that the White Sox are like number one in that uh in that stat like by four or something like that. I think like the closest one was like the Dodgers who have like four or something along those lines. I mean something like that. I mean you know, you could, of course, you know, make your, uh, you know, make your statements about like what you think about the quality of the draft picks or whatever. But I mean, the fact that uh, that they've moved through and are performing at least marginally well in the majors. I mean, even the even the, you know, like even if you go as far back as, uh, you know, say like uh, Carson Fulmer. You know, even if you go that far back and for the fact that like we released, you know, we DFA'd him and and he he went and signed in Baltimore and Cincinnati and whatever other (laughs) godforsaken cities he signed in, you know, I mean, he made it to the major leagues and he just got to the, you know, like, and when he, when he was in Charlotte, like he always did like halfway decent and he looked like he was you know, that he had stuff and it's like you're watching his pitches and his pitches had tons of movement and were really nasty and were hard to hit, but he just, you know, couldn't, it didn't end up controlling, you know, didn't end up controlling it to be effective. His command was, uh, his command was not the best. And, uh, yeah, uh, you know, it was one of those guys that, uh, I had hoped a lot for, obviously you want all your first rounders to to be somebody that are going to make an impact. And unfortunately it doesn't always work out that way. But, you know, for eight of the last nine to be and, you know, the thing that people don't understand is that if there's something like only like 22 percent of first rounders even make an MLB club. Something like that, I think I think that's the number 22 percent of first rounders even make an MLB club, make it through the minor minor leagues and make it to an MLB club. To, and that, that's not saying make it to a club and have an impact. That's just make it. Yeah. So it's even a smaller percentage of guys that come up and have an impact and become, you know, the Mike Trouts and the Mookie Betts and whoever else is, you know, you, whatever other name you can throw out there that's going to be, you know, some super stud that was drafted in the first round. Uh, it's unfortunate, but it's the world we live in, and that's baseball. And for the White Sox, they have eight of their last nine, not only – up and playing, but contributing, contributing in ways that are helping this ball club win games right now. Yeah, hitting game uh, winning home runs impressive. for crying out loud. You know, right? It's like, you know, Gavin Sheets comes up, and you know he's right off the bat. He's just smacking the ball all over the place. You know, hitting home runs, hitting doubles off the wall, playing a you know less than less than good you know outfield. I will say. Oh, we got frozen face, Danny. You still there, Danny? Uh. Oh, well, there goes that. Um, yeah. So, uh, I'll hey, uh, Danny, if you want to go ahead and try and uh, get that sorted, you dropped out. I'm not sure what's going on. Um, yeah, robot Danny, he's here. Um, yeah. So, I mean, burger comes up, 
gets a couple of hits in his first game, plays third base a couple of days ago, played a decent third base. Um, like I said, you got Sheets. You can't, you know, you can't argue with the the draft strategy of the White Sox at this point, at least in the at least in the first round. And uh, oh, look at me. Go ahead and just turn that off for right now. Yeah, uh, I gotta say I'm happy with uh, happy with their draft strategy, and obviously it seems to be uh, seems to be working halfway decent because. We keep on having these guys just come up and, you know, I don't know whether it's, uh, you know, something to to do with, uh, you know, them all being first-rounders. But, I mean, we've even seen some of the lower ones. I mean, granted, most of them that have come up have been bullpen pieces, uh, you know, a la Cody Hoyer and uh, guys like that. Um, what number does Trevor Story wear when he gets here? 27 is taken. Yeah, it's true. I think uh, I don't think Giolito's given that up. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know, man. I do you do we do we really think that the White Sox are going to go out and put out the kind of uh, prospects to get a Trevor Story into this place? Um, I don't know if they're. Uh, I, I'm kind of curious to see whether or not they end up going the route of getting one of the bigger players that's available or whether they just try and go with somebody who's a little bit less um, a little bit less of a you know impact thing and try and just uh, get somebody who's halfway decent. According to Twitter, it's a done deal. Well, yeah, we've heard that before. Sure, so I'm sure uh, McDonald's McChicken sandwich or whatever has something really interesting to say about it, and uh, I th- I'm sure that I'll hear all sorts of uh, awesome, you know, rumors about uh, who they're going to be picking up. He is just a rental at the end of the day. You know, I get that, but I mean, I at you know, I still think hey, uh, Laniel eighty eight oh six. Thank you for the follow. Um, you know, I I just don't. I don't know if I see, and I understand that he's a rental, but I still think that the Rockies are going to ask for something, you know, something that they're not willing to give up. And I think that they're, um, and rightly so from what we've seen from all these guys coming up, is that they are attached to the guys that they draft because they feel that they have developed them and that they want to see them come up. Now, obviously, you know, you hear the the phrase, you know, you got to break a couple of eggs, you know, to make an omelet. You know, we got rid of uh, Dunning and Avery Weems. We hardly knew you. Um, you know, we got rid of a couple of these guys, and, uh, you know, we got Lance Lynn. And I think that if it's, if it's going to be for, you know, something like that, I mean, I would say that it probably is a uh, – a little bit more likely, I suppose, that they're willing to give up on some of these guys if they're going to get somebody that's as talented as, say, a Lance Land, maybe even a Trevor Story. Who knows? I don't know. It's kind of one of those things that it's uh, hit or miss. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what we get. Okay, so I've got a Danny. Visually, yes. I've got a. Da- hey, look at that. We've got we've got right. audio as well. All right, fantastic. So uh, yeah, uh, 
as you see, we have a uh, new latest latest follower down there on the bottom. Um, uh, Escobar, Story, and Frazier are the three guys. Yeah, no, I mean, I yeah, no, yeah, I, I we've, I mean, how many times are we going to go over this? I mean, we we've, we've been talking about it for a month already. Oh, we got another frozen camera, Danny. Oh, yeah. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah. Okay, let me try. Should this I, ju again, should I just do one of those captions on it that says "on the phone" and just keep your picture there? Like <laughs> you know, yeah, on, we like can totally do, do that. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I don't know what's going on. My internet speeds are good. Both, yeah. both upload and download. I just double checked, and uh, who knows what the hell is going on? You know, again, White Sox Daily Live. It's uh, time for something to glitch. Yeah. Uh, whatever, so. man. What are you gonna do? You know. Uh, this this whole thing's been kind of uh, cursed right off the bat because of this uh, giant paperweight I've got sitting next to me that uh, won't do anything either. Um, so yeah, th this one's this one's better than the last freeze frame that he had. I will agree with that. That was good. Oh, hey. Hey, now now we're back. So uh, <laughs> we were we were discussing. I don't know. Did, could you hear us or did you uh, completely disappear? I I, uh, I completely disappeared. I rebooted the computer from yeah. from getting. So. so we were just kind of going over like the the whole I idea of whether or not the White Sox <laughs> would be willing to drop a, a fairly large prospect on somebody, say for a uh, a Trevor Story or you know an Escobar or something. I would I would say probably less for Escobar, but uh, I mean if you look at the offensive numbers, I don't necessarily know that. Escobar's really all that worse than Trevor Story. He's, I think he's hitting. I think his OPS is. I and I can't, I can't look it up on this computer because I'll end up losing audio or something. Something goofy will happen. But I'm pretty sure that yeah. uh, I think uh, Escobar's numbers are actually better than Story this year, and he's also a rental. Um, and then uh, from what I have heard uh, through the uh, grapevine, as it were. Um, hearing that uh, the Pirates are asking for an arm and a leg for Frazier. So I kind of don't think, and it, like, you know, we've heard the rumors before that they were asking for Kopech, and we were all just laughing about it, saying there's no way that Kopech's going anywhere, uh, especially for an Adam Frazier. And, you know, sounds like that was actually kind of a likely scenario of what they were asking for, which is delusional. Um, and I don't know what Charrington's thinking. Yeah, like, that's going to be a no for me. No. Yeah. So, yeah, no, um, I'm kind of with you on the, you know, if we're going to do it, I would rather go the route of, say, you know, maybe not a guy like Trevor Story who's going to cost you a lot because, you know, in the end of it all, you're going to get these guys returned. Nick Magical is going to be back next season. You know, we're looking at Aloy getting a promotion to Charlotte already. Uh, he'll be, it's, it's looking more and more like he's going to be ready to go without any setbacks. He'll be ready to go at the end of his, uh, 20 day abstent. Um, <clears throat> I don't know that giving away a, a bunch of the farm is going to be fruitful for the white Sox. Uh, if you can get a, a serviceable second baseman, yeah, sure. Fine. You know, but Trevor story, what are you going to do? You're going to move him, you know, you're going to leave him at, at shortstop and and move ta to second base are you going to move moncada to second and put story at third like you know you're talking to i i right you know i don't know yeah. i doubtful it's just uh you're gonna have to shuffle some guys around and make that work 
you know, TA goes over to second base, story plays short. I, you know, I don't know. Uh, it's just one of those things that I, me personally, I don't see the big splash in that sense coming. And, you know, that's kind of a, I'm, I'm stepping backwards from where I was just a few weeks ago. I was thinking, let's go for it. Let's get it all. But, you know, maybe the, the, the news of Aloy coming back, uh, has kind of tempered my, my, uh, my wants for this ball club a little bit. Um, you know, I would like to think that Lewis Robert is, uh, not far behind him, you know, and I, they say he's progressing well, but nobody, there's still real, no real timetable on when he's back at last I heard. So, um, but I, you know, there have been a, a handful of guys that have stepped up that I think maybe uh, with a couple of these bats coming back, you can get away with having a, a Danny Mendick or, or, you know, somebody already within the organization cover second base. That's just kind of, you know, where I'm at right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know, man. I just, I don't see them making a huge splash like that. Even, even, uh, you know, uh, we got we got Larry Garcia, and I'm, I'm before anybody says it, uh, that's this is a hundred percent not what I'm saying. Is that Larry is is the answer? Uh, I'm just happen. I, I'm I'm just saying that, you know. He is a serviceable backup uh, who can spell somebody. And we know that he's not an everyday player. We know that Mendick is probably not an everyday player. He, to me, seems like a utility guy, just like Leury. And if you alternate between them and start them in the spots where you're going to get the the most production out of them, that maybe, you know, assuming that they don't do uh, I haven't looked at the splits to <laughs> to really be able to judge here as to who does better against left and right hand. You look at the splits, but um, I'm a real handicap here with this uh, with this computer not being able to look this stuff up. But um, yeah, I have to imagine that you know, like you might be able to platoon those guys into a reasonably decent. Um, pairing to take care of second base and of course you know you know I don't think that they're going to equal what a madrigal is going to give you obviously but I think that you know at least it might be passable that it might be worth it to not not give up you know a crazy amount of prospects for somebody that's only going to be here for uh you know three months right I agree. Uh, now, here's an interesting one that I have seen float around a little bit, and I want to just kind of get your opinion on it. This is actually one of the few things that you and I have not talked about uh, off screen. And uh, I saw, you know, we know Yoan Moncada has played second base before. And we have this kid named Jake Berger who has uh, come up and shown some flashes of uh some greatness he's he's had a couple of really nice stabs over at the the hot corner uh bat looking you know halfway decent uh what do you think of uh throwing jake Berger at the hot corner moving yo on over to second base and uh leaving ta at shortstop and letting that round out your infield what, what are your thoughts on that one you know i don't know uh i'm <laughs> trying to figure out this stupid lighting here it's driving me nuts um <laughs> you know i don't i'd say it was cl- 
like pretty obvious that uh, that Yoan was a much better third baseman than he was a second baseman. Oh, we got a frozen Danny again, and he's a happy frozen hey, Danny. You know, we uh, we do what we can around here. You know, we yeah. try to make it look good. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'd say it was fairly obvious that uh, that Yoan was um, a much better. Um, a much better third baseman than he was a second baseman, and I, I think that uh, he he showed that uh, he he's much better on the reactive side of things than he is on the uh, second base side, where it's like it is a less reactive position, a little bit more uh, proactive type thing. And um, I mean, I think Jake is a is a decent third baseman, and I think that he can play third base. Um, but would I rather move Moncada to second for him at third? I'd say then you're making both positions worse. And I'd say if anything, you know, you would try Berger at second, but I mean, he's been up for a week. We still, Nick Madrigal's not back and we haven't tried him at second. So I'm going to have to say that they're leery of putting him at second base and actually giving him a shot at second base in the majors. So I think it'd be one of those things that if, you know, Nick Madrigal, uh, you know, say had died in a fiery, you know, car wreck or something like that. And we had no second baseman. I think that maybe, you know, you would put, maybe put Berger at second base a lot in Charlotte and let him keep on working on it every single game. And then next year you would think about starting him at second base. But I don't think that, you know, at this point this year, that uh you know that he ends up being there I, I mean obviously the the bat play you know would probably play um but i don't think that the uh the defense is to exactly the level of competence that you would want there i mean i even if if i'm saying that leuri is a better defender at second base um then i think that you know obviously that shows that uh that you know, I don't think that he's ready to be a second baseman just yet. Okay. That's All just right. My, I, my, I accept that uh, as much as any other argument for or against it. Uh, I kind of had uh, similar uh, reasonings um, when you said that uh, both positions get worse when you move Yoan over to second base and you put Jake in third. Um I'll have to agree with you there. And I think, uh, you know, one of the big things that we saw, it wasn't just that Yoan's defense is better at third base than it is at a second baseman. We saw his offensive numbers come together after the move to the other side of the infield as well, too. And I, I hate to take a bat away from a guy who, you know, he's not without his struggles and the play, but he has seemed to have moved beyond them uh, for the time being. And he's hitting the ball well. Uh and, uh, you know, to maybe have him have to focus more on, on more moving parts on his defense than he would at the hot corner, I think might uh, get into his head a little bit and take away from his offensive prowess as well, too. So I also am not a fan of that move. Uh, I just wanted to get your opinion and uh, kind of see where your head was at. Yeah. Yeah, Grimtel says uh, Yoan lost focus at second base. Uh, yeah, I would I would say that that's uh, fairly accurate. I mean, to me, it seemed like uh, just the overall uh, 
I don't know, like the the mental focus that he had to put towards second base made both uh, both situations worse. His hitting wasn't as good, and his defense wasn't as good either. Um, yeah, so you know, take that for take that for what it's worth. I mean, you know, like uh, you know, again, you know, like uh, as we've said before, we're just uh, two knuckleheads on Twitch here who uh, <laughs> you know don't. Uh, you know, no, a hundred percent on anything either. So, you know, we'll just keep on talking right. here and whatever. So, you know, uh, yeah, all, uh, all opinions, all opinions here are uh, exactly that. They're just yeah. opinions. Uh, they might be educated opinions, but uh, you know, neither one of us is. Uh, yeah, well, okay, semi-educated <laughs> is that better? I don't know. Uh, neither one of us is working in a front office anywhere, so yeah, that ought to no. tell you a little something. Yeah, uh, yeah. Kendall note uh, says that uh, Larry's barely better versus right-hand, right-handed pitching. His approach is 700 OPS. Yeah, his his OPS versus right-handers is not uh, not great. I mean, it's at least pseudo passable. You know, uh, 350. You know, like a 350, 350. I mean, it's the guy. I mean, let's be honest. The guy never walks. And uh, hasn't seen a pitch that he doesn't like to swing at, but he has at least been hitting them when he swings at them at least more often than not. Well, actually, that's not true. Yeah, recently. He's still hitting like 270 or 260 or something. But, I mean, you know, at least he's hitting it a a slightly better clip than at the beginning of the year because at the beginning of the year it looked like everybody was ready to – hit the eject button and send him into space. So Yeah, his his on base percentage was like two sixty, two seventy at one point, wasn't it? It was pretty awful. Yeah. Yeah. So. Kendall mentions that Mendick is significantly worse all around and I I you know you know, I hear from some people saying that oh well he's not getting enough appearances, so that's why he's not, you know, not doing as well and I don't know whether to credit or discredit that. I mean, he hasn't sh- – he, you know, outside of, like, the first, like, what, like two weeks that he came up uh, in 2000 – was it 2019 or is it 2020? I can't remember at this point. Um, but I believe like it was first- last year during the Nick Madrigal shoulder incident, was it not? I thought he came up before that. Did he? I thought so. I thought it's it was possible. 2019 he came up and uh, – and for like the first two weeks, he was good, and then he just like kind of—I I could have swore it was like a September call-up in 2019, and he started off really, really well, and then uh, for like the last month of the season, like he just kind of petered out a little bit and didn't uh, really do a whole lot, um, and went into like kind of a slump. And I think last year he came back up for a li- uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'd have to look it up. And again, this PC is. Uh, overextended as it is, um, so I'm not gonna go opening all sorts of windows if I don't have to. Um, right. Yeah. So uh, second round of the draft, the White Sox picked up West Cath, who they had talked about picking up in the first round if Colson Montgomery wasn't uh, available. Going back to the draft, since uh, you know, why not? Uh, since we went off on the tangent about second base, but uh, um, West Cath, uh, third baseman, um, seems like everybody seems to like him a lot. And uh, so, you know, like the, f- the first couple of draft picks, we p- 
picked up high school bats. Um, I was pretty, I, I'm not going to, you know, I'm pretty shocked actually that they went one, two with high school bats. And we've talked, you know, like we talked about this before that we thought that they might, you know, now that they've got guys that are, you know, in the majors and they've got like some, you know, like slightly older guys that are kind of like in the middle and kind of stuck in the middle that uh, they might start going low and start trying to build up from the bottom with some high school talent. And it, it looks like, uh, looks like they are doing exactly that. Um, well, Brickon did say, you know, at the beginning of the rebuild that he had a plan that he wanted to have that revolving door of prospects coming through. And uh, he seems to be sticking to that plan. And, it, you know, as much as we heard about it, I agree with you. It is still a shock. Uh, you know, this was a team that was known for many, 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 many years to uh, draft, uh, you know, c- good college players who were only a year or two away. And they were looking for that that guy that could make a jump rather quickly. And now we're starting to see the prep guys roll through and uh you know it just it just goes to show you that uh the plan has been in place and they're still following it so uh i would have to assume that uh you know there's been a lot of talk and a lot of meetings there in the front office and who knows maybe everything we've been told is uh not as much of a farce as some would have you believe well i mean here's a here's a here's a uh a question, and I, I think that it's a a fairly um, good question. Is you know we we've been told since uh, Nick Hostetler set up, you know, moved up to director of pro scouting, um, that uh, Mike Shirley was hired, and that Mike Shirley was known to be a high school guy, you know, and that he was always uh, seemed to want to hit. Uh, on draft picks that were prep guys. So how much of that, you know, really plays into who they drafted in the first couple of rounds. I mean, actually, uh, you know, like we, we uh, picked up, um, I want to say in the fifth, fifth round, um, high school pitcher whose uh, name is escaping me at the moment. Um, but uh, if you look, you remember it? That's- Do you remember the name? I want to it's, say the name was like Hughes. Hughes? No. Uh, yeah, it's escaping my brain at I the moment. Know. Um. Oh yeah, I you know, it's funny because we did have him. Uh, he was in the uh, in the in the leadoff video here at the beginning of the show. Yeah, was I know. He not? That's uh, I'm like that's <laughs> the thing. I'm like sitting here completely spacing on it, and I'm like. What the heck is his name? Uh, Tanner McDougal. Um, there you go. You know, uh, also he's a high school, you know, a prep, a prep arm. Uh, he throws like 95, 96 miles an hour, and he's got uh, um, very high spin rate uh, metrics. You know, like when they when they brought the uh, track man, he is like the number two. Uh, I th- I want to say that he was the number two. Uh, prep arm when it came to uh, spin rates uh, for his his fastball and for his curveball. And, um, like, the only guy that was better than he was 
uh, when it came to spin rates uh, on a prep arm was the guy that the uh, Peter something or other that the Dodgers drafted in the third round. I can't remember his last name. Um, but he's also one of those guys who's like a super high spin rate guy, like uh, like Will Bednar from uh, Mississippi State who got drafted in the first round, was the number one pitcher for the uh, for Mississippi State in the College World Series. Um, high, you know, uh, high spin rate on his fastball, which ends up keeping it from uh, dropping, keeps it, you know, like actually uh, the induced vertical movement is actually you know, higher than everybody else because, you know, when he throws it, the spin rate's higher. So, you know, you get less drop on your, on your fastball, you get more carry and, uh, more ride, yeah. yeah, he's supposed to be, uh, one of the top guys as, as far as, uh, as far as that stuff goes. And they were saying that there was a, uh, possibility that he wouldn't sign. Um, they actually asked about it on uh, MLB network when he got drafted, they were like, well, I don't know about his signability. And, you know, he's already tweeted out that, uh, you know, he's ready to go. So, uh, apparently his dad, uh, talked him into going to the, uh, the baseball combine. Uh, he wasn't going to, and he, uh, his dad taught, his dad was like a minor league pitcher and his dad talked him into going to do it. And he ended up getting drafted in the fifth round and, Apparently that's what uh what his plan is is that he's going to uh that he is going to looks like he's going to sign. So, uh I'm hoping that that is in fact the case. But uh you know, like as I said, you know, we've uh we've gone younger the last like 2 years now. Like, you know, we uh the last actually I guess the uh, the last couple of years because we had uh Matthew Thompson, Andrew Dahlquist, Jerry Kelly last year. Um now we've got three three prep guys in our top five getting drafted this year. So I don't know. I got to say that uh, I think Mike Shirley's becoming uh, a little bit more apparent in the uh, scouting and also the, you know, the, the way that the uh, minor league system is structured is also changing as well is that, you know, you know, we, we got really top heavy with the, with the, uh, t- you know, like every year dra- drafting top college hitter every year. And it got really top heavy really quick. And then when all those guys got promoted, it got real, really, really top heavy because there was nobody underneath them. And now they're trying to fill it up from the, fill it up from the bottom with a lot of young guys, um, hoping that the guys in the majors are good for a few years and like I would assume that they probably you know plan on using some of these guys in trades you know whoever that ends up being but you know it's it's, uh fairly interesting to watch the way that they've built this uh, whole thing in general yeah and I I mean you know again I think that was all kind of uh part of the plan uh uh, you know from the beginning we had we'd been told something of the sort and, you know, I know I've said this already, but just to kind of reiterate that point, it's it's good to see that, you know, the plan that was laid out before us is being stuck to because it does in, you know, in theory sound like a, uh, uh, it seems like a sound plan. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of young talent on this team. And, and when I say young, I mean young, you know, we've got a bunch of guys that are 23, 24 years old who look like they're going to be superstars. For some time, and as long as these guys can stay healthy and do what they were supposed to do, and do what they were drafted to do, uh, it'll probably give these guys, these young guys, some time to, uh, you know, 
develop into minor leagues before they're ready to come up. And they will be able to fill in some of these holes as time goes on, because as, you know, as we all know, there's absolutely no way that you are going to be able to resign every single one of these guys that were, you know, picked up as uh, top tier players since the beginning of the rebuild. And, you know, if they perform at the level that is expected of them, uh, the dollars are going to go along with that. And there's just no way that all these guys are going to be able to be kept around. So to have some youngsters that are going to come up behind them and be able to fill holes is is uh, nice to know that they're there. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, it's, I think that the uh, the whole construction of the team is interesting in general, just like the way that they went about it. I mean, obviously we had Chris Sale and Quintana, which kind of helped, you know, and, and Eaton, who helped jumpstart right. the entire thing in general. Um, but like, just you know, when you look at their their draft philosophy, uh, did you watch the the first round of the draft? I, I did. Uh, I, I did. Know. It was uh, it was crazy, crazy like, first round. Just the way that the first pick went off. Um, which actually, I had uh, I actually had uh, was that Henry Davis, uh, the catcher from Louisville. I actually that's who I had in my mind. That's who I thought that Pittsburgh should take. Uh, you know, everybody was saying that they should take Marcelo Mayer or uh, L- uh, Lawler um, or Lighter, which, you know, like I, I, I think that I probably would have been okay had they chosen Lighter just because right. uh, of the pedigree <clears throat> that he has and the fact that I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be uh, dependent upon Pittsburgh <laughs> and their development staff to develop Jack Leiter to be a good pitcher because he already has his dad and he's coming from Vanderbilt, you know, which is a, a, a pitching factory, you yeah, know, it's a mill, but I was thinking, you know, like when, when I think about the way that the, the white Sox have drafted and they started off, you know, every year with the first pick, they were drafting top collegiate hitting, trying to raise the floor of their farm system. And I thought that that was exactly what the pirates needed. And because Davis was like, basically like pretty much the cream of the crop when it came to college hitters and he's a catcher with a rocket for an arm. It was like, to me, it seemed like a no brainer, but everybody kept on saying that they were going to go with, uh, with a prep shortstop. And I just didn't think that that was probably the best way to go about it. If you were trying to get your franchise, you know, away from being a laughing stock every single year, you know, it just seemed like a, a better idea to me that they draft the best collegiate hitter more or less in the game, you know, as, as far as like, uh, you know, overall skill set, you know, like it doesn't strike out a ton, hits the ball hard, you know, whatever. And it happens to come at, you know, a premium, premium position where you do not find, you know, like uh, lots of offensively minded guys at that position. So, you know, I thought I thought right. it made sense. Uh, yeah. And, you know, the other part of that was it, the other part of the it, it, let me let me back up and try to word this the right way. Uh, I when I said that the, the, the first round of the draft was crazy. uh you know, I'm with you on uh, on Davis going to Pittsburgh, but there were very few mocks that had that happening. And you thought, okay, well, here comes pick two, three, and four, and 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 the draft would get back on track. 
but it never really seemed to do that. I mean, mare drop. It, it it really got strange to where, you know, we're at pick ten. And it hadn't really evened itself out much a whole lot yet. There were were some prize picks up and down the board there and some guys that fell that you didn't think were going to fall. And, you know, it it was just, uh, it it was baffling. And I I think a lot of guys, a lot of the experts that thought they had this thing, you know, wrapped up tightly and uh, you signed, sealed, delivered. I think a lot of guys got embarrassed with their with their mocks. I don't think they're I haven't I still have yet to see somebody post a mock that was anywhere close. No. In the yeah. first round somewhere. Like I'm waiting for some rando to have something dated somewhere and be like, "Yeah, I got it all." But, you know, you haven't seen that. Nobody is yeah. even nobody's been able to say that they were even close. Yeah, I mean, if you could if like whoever predicted that Kumar would make it to the Mets you know, no chance. Yeah, exactly. I never would have thought that. Yeah, I mean, I I was I was fairly confident that Lighter would be there for the Rangers. Um, one of the uh, streamers that I happen to watch on here quite a bit's a big Rangers fan, and uh, he was all fired up, you know, because they got uh, they got Jack Lighter. I mean, they're yeah, like I I think that the like the first like probably dozen picks were like kind of. Like through like put everything on its ear. I think that like pretty much after that, it kind of streamlined and kind of got back to normal. But like those first like dozen picks, it was just like, whoa, what's going on here? You know, it was just kind of strange. Yeah, scouting departments, uh, obviously not tipping their hands at all to uh, to the rest of the world. And you know, uh, there were some picks that you wonder it, the scouting departments not just tipping their hands, but were they seeing something that somebody else wasn't because, you know, you look at best player versus need and what team was going to go in which direction, were they going for the best player available? Were they going for filling a need? And there was just nothing to predict what happened there. Really? You know, it it was, uh, it was shocking. Yeah. I thought it was a lot of fun, actually. Um, It was nice, like kind of just have everything go like, haywire for a little while it was kind of nice so yeah i i agree i agree i giggled out loud a couple of different times actually yeah i mean including when the white Sox chose a, a prep shortstop you know as uh, right uh, the fact that i think it was like in the first round there was like 11 shortstops taken or something like that it's like something crazy like that now i say like nine of them were prep shortstops or something like something crazy yeah. like that yeah, and to see the White Sox get a get a couple of position players early on in the draft and then just load up. I mean, literally loaded up on arms. I think it was like seven straight pitchers. Yeah. I I'm sitting there watching the draft today and I'm just like every like every single pick after Kath, it's just like pitcher, 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 pitcher. Like what is going on here? It's like you know, like I think that it was like, like probably like five of them were relief pitchers. I want to say something like that. Um, with the 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 younger the the younger starter profiling as a starter. Um, but yeah, no, it was uh pretty crazy, and it was like uh had two guys taken from Bradley, and then uh. And the guy from Liberty. Arizona. 
Yeah, one Arizona, from a reliever. The, the one from Arizona, actually, like, uh, it's kind of intriguing because, uh, you know, sub-2 ERA in uh, in the pack out there is – He's a senior, impressive. right? Uh, yeah, and he's he got, is- like, a, apparently he's got, like, a really, like uh, – if I remember correctly, he's got like some funky uh, delivery. Uh, Gill, what's his name? Uh, something like that. Mm, yeah, the name escapes me, but I just remember looking at that and thinking to myself, well, you know, in the later rounds when a lot of other teams do go prep heavy and you're kind of almost wasting picks because you don't expect these guys to sign because they're 18, 17, 18, 19 years old and and – still in high school and you know now you're in the fifth sixth seventh eighth round and you know these guys that's when that's when you see these guys take a chance on themselves you know what i mean because they're deeper they're deeper into the draft and maybe just maybe they can do something in college to kind of up their their uh their draft value and the white Sox went prep early and then they loaded up on not just college arms but you know guys that were already 21 22 years old that you know, you wonder, you don't have to wonder if these guys are going to sign in the slot that they're in. Because yeah. they're, they're seniors in college. Where else are they going to go? Where else are they going to go? Exactly. There's no Where else they are they going to go? You're, you're going to take, you're going to take 125,000. If that. Play yeah. For, yeah. For some of those slots. Yeah. But you're going to take that money to play for a, a, you know, a minor league affiliate of a major league club and hope that you put it together or you're going to leave back at that point i don't really know but i don't see you uh you know trying to make it way on your own and hope that you get signed for more money yeah so gil, gil luna jr there you uh, go last nine appearances at arizona 0.00 era 0.98 whip and 25 strikeouts i mean and he's lefty so i mean it's like they, there was a the white Sox grabbed uh quite a few left-handed pitchers in the uh in rounds three yeah, through ten, yeah. So it's it nice to see. I mean, it's a uh, you know, this you know, as we know, this franchise is really, really right-handed pitching heavy. So it's nice to uh, see that they're getting a little diversity in there and try and get away from uh, only right-handed pitching. Um, yeah. I gotta ask real quick. Did uh, did I lose the chat? Last thing I have here is uh, a a link yeah a link from kendall okay that socks on 35th link yeah no. i know so the cat just went quiet yeah i don't know what's going on um, yeah so I, you know i mean yeah i'm happy with the draft um i'm interested to see where uh where things go tomorrow uh for 11 through 20 we'll see what uh see what happens and uh you know could be uh you know, could be uh, for all I know, it could be ten more pitchers. You know, um, I, would, be. I, I would 100% not be surprised if they just went out and signed. You know, like drafted ten more pitchers. Uh, that would be very, uh, very White Sox draft of them to just go out and grab ten more pitchers. So uh, you got to figure you might find that diamond in the rough somewhere. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's like I mean, are good at that. Yeah, it's one thing I was talking about uh, while you were uh, rebooting or resetting or whatever is that, you know, like rightfully so, the White Sox are uh, happy with their draft picks that they develop. I mean, it's like how many of these guys that we see are coming from like round like 20 and up 
that are coming up and, you know, filling in bullpen roles, you know. I mean, even, like, guys that aren't, you know, top five picks, you know, just coming up and filling in, you know, where it needs to be done. I feel like they, as far as the pitching goes, I feel that they, they, they do do a real, uh, do do uh, a real good job at, um, you know, developing mm. these, these uh, arms. So, uh, right so. Up, right up. Uh, moving along, uh, as to not beat a dead horse for, uh, twice as long as we should have, um, uh, Eloy, he will be coming hey. back. Um, who gets boot? Who gets the boot? Das boot. Um, uh, I would actually like to, to see what the chat has to say about this, but I have some opinions and I'm sure you were just about to tell us something before uh, I stepped all over you. Well, no, I mean, it's just, you know, you, you look at it and you're like, uh, okay, well, we've got, uh, you know, let's think about guys who aren't everyday uh, guys normally. Um, you've got, uh, you got your sheets, you've got your burger. Uh, who are just uh, newly brought up guys and don't have a necessarily uh, etched in stone spot, you know, on the roster. You've got those two guys. And then you've got, uh, you know, you got your, you got your, uh, I was going to say Eloy. You got your, uh, you know, Hamilton. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, You've got uh, Billy the hitter. And then you've got uh, Brian Goodwin. Be good. So, and we already got rid of we got rid of Eaton to bring Engel back. So we're gonna bring Eloy back. And when he comes back, who's gonna fall on the sword to uh to bring Eloy back? I mean, are are we are we sending down two of your guys who have been performing well in triple A to bring Aloy back, or are you taking uh, your Brian Goodwin slash Billy Hamilton slash Jake Lamb, uh, guys that have either uh, a been injured, uh, you know, like uh, like Lamb and Hamilton, Goodwin who came up uh, from AAA and has done nothing but uh, outperform what you were expecting out of him, like who who. Uh, who goes away? Do you send Mendick away? But then you lose your, you lose you're losing a uh, infielder utility guy, and replacing it with another outfielder. You know, I mean, it's just like there, you have. I mean, you have when you got when you got the guys like the Goodwins and the Billy Hamiltons and the, and the Adam Angles and, you know, you you almost can't, you almost can't keep all of those guys around and send an infielder away because you need somebody who can play second base. And, you know, let's be honest. If, you know, again, going back to Leori, like we talked about earlier and I won't beat up on that too long. because we've, we've talked about it already, but you know, if he's going to be the guy every day at second base, who's there to fill in that hole when, you know, he needs a day off or, you know, he's got a, a hangnail or whatever it is. That's going to, you know, keep him out for a game or two. And, you know, unfortunately, I think right at this moment, Danny Mendick is it, you know? So, yeah. I uh, mean, like, uh, you've got, you've got Laori and Mendick. Who else are you put in at second base? You can put Jake Berger at second base if you send away yeah, Mendick, you know? 
mean, do you maybe you are you practicing Jake Berger at second base just so he gets a little bit of feel for it so he can spell a guy every now and again? But then again, the other question is, is you know, you're, you're talking about a guy who hasn't played baseball in a couple of years, who's just come back and he's had a really, uh, really, you know, hot spring and summer with, uh, you know, the AAA team, the double and AAA teams. And, uh, you know, now you've got him up sitting on the bench. You know, he hasn't played ball in a long time. I think you got to keep getting this guy the at bats and getting him ready to be an everyday player at some point. And uh, sitting him on the bench is not the place to do it. So, you know, I don't know. I think if it were me, I think Jake would be the guy. And I hate to say it because I like seeing him up. I like seeing him doing the things that he's doing. But if if it were me, I think Jake's the guy that's got to go back down and get consistent at bats in AAA. Yeah, I'd say you know, I, kind of you know, I would be okay if both Sheets and Berger both went down when Eloy came back. Uh, and, you know, like maybe recall a guy like uh, Marco Hernandez from uh, from AAA um, who's been playing second base a lot down there. Uh, he played with the Red Sox for a few years. He was like a, you know, a, a spot starter for the Red Sox for a few years. And, you know, like, granted, he wasn't anything, he wasn't no great shakes, but he's he's reliable. You know, he hits the ball um, mostly, you know, mostly a singles hitter, but he can get into one every once in a while, and he'll hit a home run here and there. Um, I don't know. Like, I kind of would almost be okay, you know, when Aloy comes back, you're not looking for that ex- explosive firepower at that time. So I think that it would probably... I don't think it would be a bad thing for Sheets and Berger to both go back down to AAA and get at bats every day because up in Chicago they're just not going to get there's those at bats are not there. No, know? there's only so many spots in a lineup, and you're not going to be able to you know put these guys in. And, and if you are getting them into games, that means other guys are sitting. And you know there's nothing wrong with giving somebody a rest here and there, but to have this team that made the playoffs last year and, you know, lose a, a heartbreaking uh, game two and three against the athletics. I, I think you need these guys playing together as much as possible to have that chemistry, the timing, you know, of knowing where a guy's going to be, you know what I mean? Uh, I, I just don't think that it's good to, you know, rotate the lineup every day just to find a couple of guys, you know, some at bats here and there. So I, I, I think that that's, I think that's just the way to go. I, I think you got to give those two youngsters all the opportunities they can to play. And they're going to get that down the AAA. They're going to play every day down there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I don't want those guys to go down, but at the same time, I don't think that it's helping them at all by having them sitting on the bench in the major leagues, you know, yeah, you're up, you know, you're an MLB. That's awesome. However, you're going to get it. You're going to get to play once a week. It's like, what point, at what, you know, like what point does that really, uh, what, what point does that really help anybody that's involved in that whole scenario? You know, you're not, uh, you know, for, for the team's sake, you know, yeah, you're uh, a quality replacement for, you know, at least you're hoping it's a quality replacement, but at the same time, you don't really, you're not, you don't really know that that's going to be your quality replacement because they're always on the bench, you know? And it's like they, you know, if they're pinch hitters, like is, do you want your number one and number two draft pick to be pinch hitters? Like is, that's not what you're looking for. 
you know? So, like, in my mind, it would be better for them to continue playing in Charlotte. Like, they've come up. They've shown that they can that they can do something. So, for the team's point of view is that you have shown that they can do something if they do play in the majors. So, if you are, if you have trade, you know, like, if you have a trade that you need to make and you're like, okay, well, I've got this guy. He's shown that he can do something in major leagues. You know, like, let's put him in there. Not that I'm saying that I want either of those guys traded. It's just simply a thing from the from the team's point of view is that you're not doing yourself any favors by keeping them on the bench rather than performing and continuing to perform in Charlotte after they came up and got brought up for, like, a small, small sip of coffee and showed that they could do something. They go back to Charlotte, and they just immediately take up where they left off and are hitting, like, three you know, 300, 325, you know, with like a high on base, high OPS hitting for power. You know, they go back down there. You can say, well, we brought them up. They obviously can do it here, but we don't have a spot for them. You know, just like just like with Adam Eaton, we just got too many good players, you know. We had to DFA him. There's too many good players. I don't buy that one bit, but, you know, that's what they said. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, yeah. um, I don't know. That's just that's just the way, you know, like where I'm looking at it from is that to me it doesn't seem like uh you know, there's there's no place for him here, so I'd rather bring up a a guy who's kind of a journeyman type guy like a Marco Hernandez and let Berger play at second base every day, you know? And you know, you got Tim Beckham down there as well, like if he can come up and and put in some at bats, where Berger and Sheets are, fine, because I would much rather them get at bats every day and have Tim Beckham come up and hit once a week. I'd much rather see that just just for development, you know. For for that's the, not to take away prospects. anything from to, that's not to take away anything from Tim Beckham either because he's no, having yeah. himself a season yeah. as you know. Yeah. Finally, for once, yeah, you know, he's uh, he's doing some things that you know. He may have shown a, a few years back and then kind of lost his way. And, I, you know, but yeah, I agree. Um, it, it, it's not a bad position to be in for the White Sox. But, you know, like you said, you're not doing the player any favors by sitting them and, and playing them once a week. You're not doing the club any favors really either. You know, uh, they're not getting much of a chance to showcase themselves. You know, if you're talking about that trade scenario, like, and, and again, I'm with you. I, I don't want to see either one of these guys get traded. But, you know, if they're playing once a week and, you know, nobody's really seeing a whole lot from them, even if they're doing well with that once a week, it's once a week. Yeah. That's you know, that, 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 that cup of coffee isn't really getting any bigger. You know, uh, that sample size is going to take a lot longer to grow. And you know they're not building any value in a in a trade scenario by exactly. batting once a week. And it's not so. Not only is it not doing the player any good, it's yeah. not doing the team any good either. So, yeah, I have to agree. I think uh, you know again, like I said, it. I don't. I don't know that you send both down, but I'm not against it. You know what I mean? I you're right. You know, there's chances are. Uh, seeing a guy like Tim Beckham or or Marco or you know, there's a, a handful of of guys that we could, 
you know, bring up, even if he wanted to go like one infielder and one outfielder and you could, yeah. you could give Lou gone, like Lou gone was up and down in like a blink of an eye. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then he went yeah. down and he started hitting right away, you know? Right. So I, it's just like, I, I'm just looking at this, like when Eloy comes back, you know, like there's, there's no reason to have those two guys here just simply for the fact that they're just not going to get at bats. You know, there's right. not going to be at bats at DH because you're going to have Aloy, who should never touch a, a mitt ever again, um, is going to be DHing. Oh. You know, I was just gonna. That was my next question, but I guess you answered it already. When That's he comes my, back, my opinion. Yeah. Do you do you leave Andrew Vaughn out there in left field? You leave Adam Angle playing right field. Uh, you know, you've got uh, the Billy Hamiltons and the Brian Goodwins out there playing center, uh, and Eloy's gonna be your uh, your everyday DH. I mean, for for my for my point of view, yeah. I mean, that's what I would do. I mean, okay. I I don't want to see him play in the field. Like personally, I just don't want to ever see the guy pick up a mid ever again. But you know, there's you know, Vaughn has proved that he is at least a semi competent left fielder. He's made some decent plays out there. And I'm not to say that, you know, Aloy hasn't made a few decent plays out there. He's done it a couple of times, but my thing is is that I mean, you know, we we found, you know, found him out in the out in the net a couple of times. You know, we've got a torn pectoral like a completely torn pectoral muscle. I mean, we've had like knee injuries and ankle injuries. I mean, it's like how many times are we going to watch that same thing happen? Then there's, you know, not just that, but there's the times where he's running into other players or almost running into other players. And now you get to worry about, is he not just taking himself out, but you know, we're going to get Luis Robert back. And you do wonder if he's going to take him out or is he going to run over Tim Anderson when Tim Anderson's coming out to make a play in the outfield or yo, I'm a gotta, and, you know, all these things kind of compound to make me think that, you know, he just does not belong Yeah. In with grass under his feet. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, you know, like not only do we have to worry about hurting himself, we have to worry about him hurting other, you know, other fielders. Like, uh, I think, uh, didn't uh, Luis Robert, like, end up, like, uh, screwing up his arm or something? Or was it, uh, I'm trying to think of who it was. Was it him or Engel? who, like, hyperextended his arm, or was it Eloy? I mean, it was Eloy. I think it was Eloy who, like, hyperextended his his shoulder or something like that, like running out to catch a fly ball and ran into either Engel or Robert. I can't remember exactly what it the was, scenario was. It but. was uh, it was Robert in 2019, I believe. No, I'm sorry. Robert wasn't around 2019. Last year, uh, yeah, he uh, he did. He And it it look, I thought Robert was going to be the one that was hurt, and it turned out to be Eloy that was yeah. hurt. But yeah, we don't need we don't need that scenario playing out to be even worse than you know than what that was. Yeah, so. see, I think the thing about uh, about Vaughn out there in the outfield is that Vaughn knows his place. You know, as opposed to where Eloy, he thinks he's a lot better at outfield than he actually is. And so he puts himself in bad positions uh, to uh, adversely affect his health, but he's also putting other people in a bad spot as well because, you know, he's, like, trying to do too much, um, which ends up putting other people in bad positions. It's just like, 
You know, no, I, I I wouldn't mind seeing if Aloy's going to play left field. I wouldn't I wouldn't mind seeing more of that uh, the incident where he just kind of stood there, uh, <laughs> yeah. looking at Lewis Robert like, yeah. like you know what, what are you doing over here and you know Luis running away laughing because he stole one from him. But uh, you know, let's be honest, uh, that's his that that's that's Luis's field. Yeah, no, you know it is hundred I mean? percent. He he covers from you know, well beyond left center and well beyond right center and everybody else just get out of his way. You know, yeah. you guys are there to cover the lines. You know, mean, the guy runs like a gazelle and there's no need for the two of you to be fighting over balls that are, you know, hit into the the, the gap. You know what I yeah. mean? I don't see, I don't see him playing. He certainly doesn't play a better outfield than good one either. You know? So it's like no. every single person that you have in the outfield, you've got Vaughn, Goodwin and Hamilton as your three outfielders. Aloy's not better than any of those three. When Robert comes back, you'll have Engel, Robert, Goodwin, and Hamilton. Aloy's not any better than any th- any of those four guys either. And Vaughn. You right. Know? So you got five guys who can play the outfield better than Aloy can. So, I mean, realistically, and this is like what we said you know, like the entire reason that Aloy is in the major leagues is to hit the baseball. You know, he's got no business being out there in the outfield at all. You know, do you so, remember? Do, do you remember checking all the boxes? Do you remember we got to check all those boxes and how everybody uh, yes. made a big deal out of that? Yeah, he's 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 ready. He's ready. Bring him up. He's ready. Bring him up. He's ready because he was mashing. Yeah. We could mash. It was not, there was never a question about him hitting the ball. We knew he could match. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then everybody said, oh, the the whole thing about his defense and his arm and his ability to throw in, you know, and, and take routes. That's, that's all garbage that they're just, they're keeping them down. They're manipulating service time. I wonder where those folks are at right now. Uh, oh, there's gotta... same people that are complaining about Grandal and saying all sorts of other stupid stuff. They're the same people. <laughs> Hundred percent, it's the same people. You know, you know. I, I, I just, I, you know, I hate to do it, but uh, told you so. Yeah, no, he's not yeah, good I'm at defense. Do he it. never was good at defense. But the thing was, is that you know, like I hoped that he would get better at playing defense. But oh, most we all did. did. Yeah, he never no. got any better. He's still still a bad defensive outfielder. Never got any better. No, so. I'll never talk. I'll never talk crap about the uh, the Schwarbino ever again, because, uh, you know, at least that guy improved a little bit. He did. Yeah. And, and I mean, you and, see uh, what he's doing uh, out with the Nationals right now. That dude's hammering the baseball. Mashing, mashing, hitting some monster bombs. Oh, speaking yeah. of uh, bombs, uh, Pete Alonzo won the uh, home run derby in case anybody was not paying yeah. attention. Set a first round record, 35 dingers in the first round. Yeah, and uh, old uh, Sheho Sheho Otani, he got uh, got bumped out by uh, Juan Soto on a uh, swing off, a three a three swing swing off. So, yeah, that was uh, that was interesting. That was that was good good TV for the for the uh, home run derby. The two of them tying. Yeah, I recorded times. it on the DVR. I didn't watch it. I've been uh, oh. far too engrossed with uh, with our conversation here to uh, pay attention to any of that. 
I uh, I caught much of the first round before we uh, before we went on air here, and uh, I gotta say the uh, the Shohei and Soto uh, square off was it was it was a lot of fun. I'll have to go back and watch that. Uh, I know that uh, I hear my I heard my boy yelling downstairs. He was uh, rooting for the uh, the Juan Soto. So, yeah, yeah, that's his. That's one of his guys. It's Juan Soto. Yeah, well, how can you blame him? I mean, the kid's still only what, like 21, 22, however old it's he is. 20, I don't know, twenty-two and a half or something, something along those lines. Anyway, yeah. the kid's a monster. Yeah, yeah. So he's unbelievable. Um. So where do we go from here? Um. Hey, you know. Uh. Let's talk about uh, the All Star Game a little bit. Let's talk about our four, our four All Star players. Actually, and, I got uh, a question for you. What's up? Um, so uh, it was announced earlier that uh, Sheho is going to be yeah. the uh, going to be the starter for the American League as a pitcher. Really? I heard yeah. he was going to be the starting DH. He is. He's both. He's going to be the starting DH and pitcher. Yeah. Yep. So that's something. Uh, yeah, apparently Lance Lynn's not too happy about it. Uh he was asked about it and um he basically said that uh well this guy's got half the innings as most of the other pitchers and his other stats aren't as good. Um but and he's starting, it's kinda kinda not fair to the uh to the pitchers. And uh you know, I've seen uh I've seen both on Twitter. I've seen um White Sox fans that say that it does not matter who the starting pitcher on the uh, All-Star game is, and I've seen a lot of people that are kind of aggravated by it. And, uh, you know, everybody's arguing that Shohei is the face of Major League Baseball right now, um, which, you know... I mean, okay, if you want to... If you want to make it a publicity thing, where you know i get it you know you, you're trying to grow the sport and bring some fans back because you know that baseball's been bleeding fans for years now but uh you know i get that but if you're gonna do that then uh let's go back to the all-star game not meaning anything yeah but let's let's go back to it not having any you know any any uh juice on homer away in in the world series you know uh i I was never a fan of that to begin with, because when you're talking about uh, something that is, you know, players being voted on by fans, your starters, and and let's be honest, uh, you know, we all have Twitter accounts, and we can all pretty much say that there's a lot of fans out there that have no business voting for anything because they have absolutely no idea what's going on in baseball, and for the game to mean anything whatsoever is kind of a travesty when when you look at how it's it's operated. Now, granted, those starters don't have to stay in the game very long. You know, if you got a manager that's going to go ahead and shuffle guys around and maybe put in the lineup that he wants to put in after the starters come out, fine. But uh, you know, again, it's a it's a whole different world of strategy that's really not uh, present in anywhere any other part of a baseball game besides the all-star game. So I'm not really a fan of that whole situation. And yeah. uh, I think the pitchers should be a little upset. You know, I think you should have your best guys going, you know, early on in the game. And yeah. that's just, that's just my opinion. 
Yeah, no, I, I count me for the uh, for the people that think that uh, Shohei starting the game being ridiculous put me under that under that side of the argument. Uh, like, just I, I look at it and his ERA is like three and a half. Um, he only like averages five five innings a start. You know, like I just look at it and I'm like, well. You know, okay, you know, everybody's saying, oh, he's having a historic season this, he's having a historic season that. Yeah, with the bat, he's having a historic season. He's hitting <laughs> right. it really, really well. It. But when he pitches, he's really good for four innings or something like that, you know? Like, he's had games where he gets knocked out in the first or second inning. Like, you know, I mean, yeah, he's had some some games where he's gone like six but he's also had way more that he's gone four, you know, or five. It, like he just, yeah, and he hasn't been really stellar in any of them. I no. mean, there's there's a whole list of pitchers that didn't make the All-Star game at all. Mainly on the AL All-Star team. Well, I'm just saying, but there's there's a whole, there's a list of them that, that don't have or that have better numbers even. Yeah. You know, and for him to get the start is it's it's a little ridiculous, I would say. Uh, but again, in my opinion, it's it's obviously a, a publicity thing. You know, we can make him the face of baseball and we can make this an international thing where you've got an international superstar, you know, coming from where he came from to, to, to make it here. And he was, you know, he was an all star over there before he was an all star here. And, you know, he's done the home run derbies over there. And now he's doing home run derbies over here and, you know, MVP awards over there. And now he's trying to get himself MVP awards over here. You know, we can, we can do that whole back and forth thing. But, uh, you know, the game actually counts. It counts for something. I, you know, I, I don't really care about the publicity at this moment. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, like I said, Count me under the guys like, uh, you know, that are skeptical. You know, like I like Sho- Shohei Otani. He's he's a lot of fun to watch. You know, great baseball player, but his pitching. You know, if this is the All Star game, I kind of, you know, like everybody's like, oh, well, it should take his back seat. You know, like we're just doing this for publicity. You know, like it's a good publicity move. Like, I don't care. <laughs> You know, no, especially trying... being a White Sox fan right now where you have the best record in the American League. And, you know, some would say that's an indicator of who, you know, the, the team leading the American League for a World Series charge Applaud. at the moment. I'm being told that Shohei is the face of baseball and that uh, it's, it makes great sense for the uh, for MLB to um, – market its product and uh, put Shohei as the starter and uh, apparently uh, all the rest of the teams don't matter and uh, I don't know like to me like and uh, you know like I see people on on Twitter saying it doesn't matter who starts the all-star game and this is White Sox fans saying this I would much rather see my White Sox pitcher pitching for the AL all-star team than Shohei Otani Personally. Okay. You know? and, and let me, let's say this for White Sox fans. And, and I don't know, I'm going to assume that none of them are in here in our, in our stream listening right now, but let's yeah. just say as White Sox fans that uh, the season ended right now 
and there was no playoffs. It was just a World Series. The White Sox would be in the World Series right now. Yeah. Right. And if the All Star game is that right? I believe so. Yeah. And if if the All Star game is going to determine which team gets home field advantage, don't you want the best pitcher out there starting that game to give your White Sox, your Chicago White Sox? the best opportunity at having home field advantage in that world series. I mean, I don't know. You know, I don't want to, I'm trying, I'm not trying to make too much sense here or anything. Am I? Yeah. I don't know, man. It's just like the whole <laughs> thing's just, uh, I, I mean, as a white Sox fan, selfishly, um, I would like to, uh, I would like to see white Sox pitcher, you know, like them being the, uh, you know, uh, them being the best pitching staff in the American League, and uh, oh, they uh, they changed it. Apparently, they changed it. It does not determine World Series home advantage. That that ended in 2018, apparently. Oh, where are you See, seeing this? Uh, I'm just looking it up online. CBS. I did CBS we get the chat back, back, and I didn't know. No, no, I'm just I looked it up myself. Because I was kind of, I couldn't, I couldn't remember. I could have swore. Yeah, I was thinking about that when I was saying it, but okay. Even even still, you know, like uh, I, uh, you know, selfishly as a as a White Sox fan, and even though it technically may not matter, it matters to me because I would much rather see Carlos Rodon or Lance Lynn get the start. You know, and and actually get like well, some some recognition for doing what they're doing, and instead, you know, like they're, you know, doing this uh, pseudo marketing play. You know, like uh, which I mean, to me, like, do you think, like, I don't think him pitching is really. Uh, I mean. The only thing that the how about this? The only thing that I think that could come out of Shohei pitching in the All Star game is showcasing that people can't actually hit him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, because yeah. you're putting you're putting a guy who's got a four like a almost four ERA against every one of the best hitters in the National League, instead of putting in the best pitcher in the American League. I mean, uh, like basically the way I'm looking at it is, is like they're handicapping the AL by making them pitch Otani when he's not the best pitcher that the AL has. No, I mean, you know, he's not an all-star because clearly his bat is what makes him an all-star. It's not his pitching. His pitching is it's pretty good, but it's not great, you know? And let's let's be honest here. I mean, the whole reason he's even in the All Star game right now is because he's got thirty three dingers at the, at the break. Yep. Well, that and he's actually healthy for the first time for. Well, yeah. The entire first half of a season, which is the first time right. that has happened since he's come here. So you know, like I, I mean, I don't know, man. I you just call me a salty White Sox fan or whatever. Let's you know, like it seems like what what always happens to White Sox fans is that we get. Uh, told that you know we're just uh we're just jealous and that uh we've got an inferiority complex besides the fact that we actually do have two of the best pitchers in the american league and neither one of them starting the all-star game because some sideshow is getting put in in the <laughs> in you know in the starting pitching role you know 
I agree. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I really don't have much else to say about that. I don't really have anywhere else to go. It's it is what it is, and uh, yeah, I, I'm with you, man. It, yeah, it's all right. Anyways, sorry, that was just uh, looking something up there. And... Yeah. So, what else you got for us tonight? Anything? Uh, anything else you want to touch on? Eh, not really. I mean, we got uh, Tim Anderson. Um, made his way into the uh, All Star game, so that was nice. Um, and then we got uh, Liam Hendricks and Los and Kyle Hendricks, or not Kyle Hendricks. What am I talking about? Um, uh, Lance Lynn, Lance Lynn, Liam, Liam Hendricks, Lance Lynn, Kyle Hendricks. Yeesh. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I mean, other than that, no, not really. Um, yeah, no, I don't have much else either. Uh, you know, uh, Tim Anderson, I think before he was uh, asked to join the team, was feeling a little slighted. Uh, maybe maybe I'm reading too much into his reaction, but uh, I think he was. And, uh, well, you know, you know, I mean, I'd, like I to see he's there. But, you know, he did win the batting title two years ago, almost won it again the yeah. following season. Yeah, he's not hitting exactly, you know, as well, but he's still... He's still up there. He's still See, out there. Like, here's the thing. Playing, is playing good offensively, the White Sox in June were pretty awful. You know? I mean, that's that's basically what it boils down to, is that the White Sox offensively in, in June were fairly terrible. You know? Yeah, I mean, but you know what? Really offense was down down. Around, offense was down around the league in June as well, too. Uh, and then, you know, the, the whole go-juice thing. Uh, kind of kicked in, and all of a sudden, offense is up across the league, and spin rates are down, and yada yada yada. And that's another conversation for another day. We've already kind of hit on it a few times here on the stream, but you know, uh, yeah, July has looked a lot better. Yeah, well, I mean, stock. here's like a, I think like sort of an unintended consequence of the uh, the go go juice going away is that not only a are the pitchers having to learn how to repitch without it. The hitters are also going to have to have to relearn how to hit. It's not like all of a sudden they're going to be like, "Oh, okay, cool, easy. I'll hit this super easy." No, it's not. It, that's not exactly how it's going to work. You know, is that they're still going to have to. There's going to be an adjustment period for them as well, and maybe offense will go up a little bit. But you know, again, like you know, like you said, we've we've talked about this before. But hey, MLB, just stop screwing with the baseball, and we don't have these problems. Yeah, we- you find a little consistency, but, yeah. uh, you know, uh, if history has shown us, that's not going to happen anytime in the near future. Clearly not. Cause they're looking to, uh, they're, they're looking to, uh, make baseball scores more like uh football scores apparently. So the game's too long. Yeah. So I keep hearing, um, yeah, but I'd say that's probably about, uh, this is about a good time for, uh, for this one. We're at almost two hours. And, uh, you know, considering that uh, we weren't sure if we were going to have one at all, I think this went pretty well. So I agree. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. We'll see what uh, happens. Uh, we got the uh, All-Star game coming up, and uh, then uh, we got a couple of days off, and then back into uh, regular old baseball, see how the White Sox come out of the, uh, come out of the All-Star break, see, uh, see what they can do. Um, 
here's hoping that uh, things go much like they ended here before the All-Star break. And, uh, you know, then we'll have Eloy coming back, um, you know, relatively quickly after that, I would I would say. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't before know. the end of the month. Yeah, so uh, there's that. And then uh, hopefully, you know, Robert also cleared for uh, baseball activities and his rehab assignment. So let's hope that he's not too far behind and that uh, we're going into uh, August getting some reinforcements of uh, – fresh you know fresh legs and and bats ready to go you know i mean you know the uh acquisitions of our uh of our outfield back will be extremely awesome uh you know trade pieces that we're going to get back you know i'm looking forward to winning the division with a uh with a, a 15 plus game lead at the end of the season that would certainly be that. nice. I, I'm I'm also hoping that uh, that the division becomes a laugher because I I don't need that stress this year. I don't need that uh, that race down the uh, down the back stretch. I don't know about you. No, but, and you uh, know what the naysayers uh, the naysayers it gets tiring battling some of these naysayers and or even listening to them whether you're battling or not. You just get tired of seeing it, whether it's uh, you know. Sox fans themselves or people who are fans of teams, other teams in the division or, or just in baseball in general, it uh, still really don't believe in this team. Uh, it'll be nice to uh, quiet some of that. Yeah. Well, you know, like the, the most vocal of those people for the most part have been, uh, it's been a lot of that from uh, Yankees fans. Mm-hmm. You know, they uh, like to say that kind of stuff and, They've uh, gone on quite the uh, quite the run as of late, so uh, they're not looking so hot either. So, um, yeah, at this point, I don't want to hear it from anybody. I just want to see how things play out and uh, hopefully see them in the playoffs. But uh, we'll see how that goes. So, oh, oh, yeah, oh there yeah, you are. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, lost you for oh. a second there. Um, yeah, so uh, I don't know. Looking forward to next week. Uh, we'll have some uh, things to talk about next week. We'll have. Uh, some more baseball. Hopefully, we'll be talking about uh, Aloy uh, scheduled date back, and hopefully, be talking about uh, what Robert is uh, up to and when he's going to be uh, doing his rehab and getting everything rolling. So, and hopefully, uh, you know, we'll also have some uh, some nice minor league stuff to talk about. Um, I know that uh, we got some guys down there that uh, we're hoping to see some steps from, and. Uh, you know, we'll see how that uh, see how that goes over the next week. Uh, some Uelki and all sorts of stuff like that. So, yeah, looking forward to it. All right. Well, uh, I guess call it for the night. Uh, thanks for uh, everybody that came in, joining in the chat, and uh, just like to uh, point you guys to uh, Daily White Sox on Twitter at uh, Daily White Sox and uh, on here White Sox Daily. Uh, on Twitch, and uh, and uh, I know we got a uh, the uh, what is it uh, WhiteSoxDaily.com where you can go and uh, check out uh, stories and everything that we got by some uh, talented people over there. And um, well, just like to thank you for uh, taking a listen, and uh, we'll catch up with you next week. And for myself, Ian Eskridge, and for my co-host Danny Miller, just like to thank you for listening. Have a good night.